Welcome to season two, episode eight of Impact Effectively. And I've named this season of podcasts Impact Around the World because I'm speaking to friends and associates around the world who are using NLP and other complementary approaches to make a difference in their community. If you've not been watching or listening to earlier podcasts, my name is Florence Madden. I'm an NLP trainer and coach based in Cumbria in the north of England. I'm the co-author of a book called Everyday NLP and the author of a book called The Intention Impact Conundrum that this whole series of podcasts is based on. So to close out this season, I'm kind of coming home to roost really. So my place around the world is in Bolton and specifically with my longtime friend, erstwhile colleague and altogether fabulous person, Jill Harrison. Jill is, well, she'll be embarrassed after that introduction. Jill is an NLP trainer and she also works uh, within the NHS. And well, I'll let Jill do her own introduction about how she uses NLP in the communities in which she is involved in. So Jill, it's over to you. Well, thank you, Florence. And how lovely. This is an unusual meeting for us, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we're in the same time zone, which makes it a little easier for you. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, as you say, I work in the NHS. So I work in a large NHS trust in the Northwest. And I work in the community. So I work with families um, in the community alongside public health nurses, alongside other, other um, interventions as well. Um, and I do use NLP. I, as you say, I'm an NLP trainer, but it's not specifically in an overt way. Mm. So I've been working with NLP for a long time, as you know, um, and, and it kind of gets wired in along the way, if that mm. makes sense. Um, and, and becomes almost kind of an unconscious part of how we are being rather than something we are doing to yeah. or with people. And so my, my role, although it includes some training of staff, isn't really, as, as you might think um, an NLP coach might be, working face-to-face -face or over Zoom virtually, it's actually working with families and they might have no idea that NLP has been involved. Yeah. But I also use motivational interviewing and some solution-focused approaches as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I kind of remember when we first had a conversation about doing this podcast, mm -hmm. you had to kind of rack your brains to think, well, how am I using NLP? Sure. Because just as you say, it has become part of your way of being and, and part of the toolkit that you use. And, and one of the things from our conversations that I particularly noticed and that you talked about was language and I suppose what you're noticing about people's language and helping them to make shifts using language. So tell me more about that. Yeah, language is, is um, a big piece with me um, and the impact, because you know your, your thing is all about impact coming from good intentions mm. and how is it being received? How is it landing? Um, 
and and that that's a big piece for me it's a big intrigue for me mm. when some real simple i'm not saying easy but some real simple shifts can evoke a very different response or reaction yeah. to people and so part of my work in in the last um well we've all done lockdown haven't we about 18 months now <laughs> Since, since that all that started and, and that really halted the work that we were doing, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the practices that we were using. And so um, it gave us an opportunity in that time to really take a look at our practices. Did a lot of CPD, continuous professional development in looking at current evidence. And we had some real paradigm shifts in that time and decided that we were going to radically change the way we work with, with families mm. and so we came up with some some new work some new interventions which is how kind of what triggered in my brain about language because it became very apparent to me that the language that is commonly used around so my, my work is with health and with families so of course it's about nutrition it's about physical activity uh, and, and the language that's often used with with interventions like that contains lots of um, imperatives. So we have the knowledge, and this is what you should be doing. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So if if we were thinking about, um, and I don't know if it's okay to use the terms, but if with the beautiful meta model, if we were thinking in those terms, then that lots of modal operators, lots of shoulds, musts, need tos, ought tos, that kind of language. So we have a bit of um often have a bit of a disconnect between what people should be doing and then the meaning they take from that and what they actually do. Yeah. So and you know we know that people are not really motivated by being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. So, and so I, I you know, we, we were creating some new um, interventions and part of that is um, a, a 10 week, sorry, program that's yeah. largely video content, but short videos that we send out to families each week. And then that's followed up with a coaching call from one of our team. Mm -hmm. So how do we then tailor language so that it is not getting in the way of us developing empathy and you know encouraging rapport um, and and getting in the way of of some of that information that may be really really useful to people but we need to circumvent the the pointy end of the stick which is what you should be doing does that make sense at all well just explain that a wee bit more because what you're saying is that people use this language I suppose about and to themselves um these kind of rules they have in their head but i'm guessing from what you're saying they're not necessarily following them so it kind of seems to me that if somebody has a rule or they think that they should be doing something and they're not doing it then automatically they're going into like a guilt situation well that does happen and and this as well of course is is from us as practitioners working with families, say working with a parent. And when we use the words like should, must, ought to, yeah. might say, lower fat, whatever the message is, when we use that language, that can get in the way of our rapport. It can get in the way of change actually happening. 
So what do you change that to? Well, instead of instead of um, in the video, so the video is the first thing to land, and then that's followed up by a coaching call. So in the videos, I've written the scripts for these, and they're really short. They're only talking about a couple of minutes for each video. But I'm really careful not to put any of those imperatives in, like what people should be doing. I'm avoiding use of those. Yeah. But I might put some possibility language in. And what do you mean by language. possibility language? Just well, what I mean is, so maybe saying things like, so there may be some information around a topic. And then that's followed up with, so if you thought this was something that you might like to do, then here are some options. Here are some ideas. Yeah. Here are some choices that you could use. And people like choices. People like to feel that they're in charge of their own um, change. And so the language is carefully molded to circumvent barriers. Yeah, it sounds much more respectful language as well. Because um, you are talking to these parents, these parents are adults, and uh, rather than, you know, laying down the law or talking down to them, actually giving them help that they can respectfully take up, I suppose, or offering it respectfully, that's probably a better way of putting it. Offers a word that's used frequently, yeah. Um, as, as, again, putting people at choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and what's also important is the way we've gone into our new practices is what we, I wouldn't say that the energy that we bring with it, but yeah. the, the, the beliefs that we bring to it. So in terms of um, NLP presuppositions, the fact that, you know, people do have the resources within themselves. Hmm. It's there. Our job is to maybe raise awareness or to help them find those resources. Our job is also um, to work alongside people, knowing that they're making the best choices that they can with yeah. the resources and the information that they have. Yeah. And to know that, you know, their map of the world is not my map of the world. It's not my colleague's map of the world. And so coming alongside people to try and understand their map before we get around to change talk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, the word that keeps coming into my mind as I hear you speak is just yeah. working in a respectful way with oh, people gosh, yeah. Yeah. and respecting the situations that they are in and, yeah, what their experience of life is. Absolutely. And, and, and I love that word you used as well, working alongside people. Yeah. yeah. And isn't there's a quote, and I'm sure you'll know who it is because you know quotes so well, um, people don't know how um, do, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care yeah you know and so we need to have that coming alongside people again offering information and using possibility language using if you yeah. might if you choose to here are some ideas rather than you know you should be doing this yeah <laughs> and it's such a different feel yeah and and more likely to invite people in isn't it exactly yeah exactly yeah and some of the work we, we've done as well is is we work directly with families as, as we were talking about then some of the work is in training some of the wider team so we, the community team's quite a big team and we work alongside public health staff 
So maybe health visitors, school nurses, et cetera, et cetera, healthcare assistants. And part of their work, and here is, the, here is the, a very specific example of language, if I can bring this forward. Yeah. Um, so we've been, we've been doing some training with, with these staff. And um, one, of the, one of the barriers and one of the trickiest things for them to do is to talk to parents about the body size of their children. Now, we're, as a team, we're not keen on overly weighing and measuring children. I don't, it's not helpful. So we, we do say as, 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 you know, as little as possible to do that. Yeah. However, it's a medical, um, these are medical teams that we're working with and there will be occasions when heights and weights are taken with children. Yeah. So to, for, for some of the staff to do that and then to relay that information to the parent can be quite tricky for the practitioner, for the, for the yeah. healthcare professional to do, you might imagine, and tricky to be received by yeah. the parent. And so, and here is where what's exquisite about NLP, and I'm sure it works in other disciplines as well, but with NLP, we have the tools there to take a look at language, consider the impact it's having, mm. and then to not just play around with it, but skillfully craft language so that it's not getting in the way of, of our interactions with people. Yeah. And one specific example in, in the um, staff relaying body size information to parents is in the three little words that might be used by someone okay. is, so heights and weights are measured, you know, we come up with a, a BMI if, if, that's, if that's appropriate, and then need to say to the parent, so your child is, quote unquote, healthy weight, quote unquote, overweight obese not language that i'm comfortable with to be honest because mm. yeah, exactly it brings with it lots of meaning yeah doesn't it uh-huh um and connotations and 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 that's that's a tricky thing to do so i was looking at this and looking at well what are we actually saying if we're saying your child is xyz what are we saying we are we are imposing a label, an identity, at identity level, yes. on a little person. Now, how does that feel to a, how does that feel to an adult, to a, to a parent? And, and as you might imagine, the, the, the wording might be loaded to them. It might mm. have all sorts of meaning and that can easily get in the way of us doing a great job of engagement and, yeah. you know, so, Looking at that language, we've got identity, we've got labels, we, we're imposing uh, an arbitrary categorization maybe on there. So if we come out of that and zoom out and have a look at how, we, how else we might relay that information and change those three words of your child is to something that is far less loaded far less likely to get in the way of interaction and rapport. Yeah. And so I came away from it and thought, okay, let's let's take the child out of the equation. We, we, we are imposing something here by this language. Yeah. Let's be factual here. We're talking about measurements. The measurements are what is happening. Um, so 
by changing your child is to the measurements today. Okay, so that's making it quite of the moment mm -hmm. and therefore open to change. Uh -huh. Love yeah. it. Got it, got it. And the measurements create space. We're talking about measurements. We're talking about a height and weight. We're talking about, you know, a calculation. We're talking about metrics. Yeah. Child. And so although that, that measurement, those measurements might be necessary to make medical decisions, to, to plot um, growth, to look at stability of growth, etc. Mm -hmm. It might be a necessary thing to do, but it doesn't have to get in the way of how we relate to each other with, with our parents and with medical staff with parents. Yeah. Um, this may be slightly inappropriate, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Um, I'm not a parent, as you know, of humans anyway. <laughs> but it has been said to me that my dog or one of my dogs is overweight. <laughs> and uh. So as you were speaking, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, how much more must that I mean? Clearly, the dog doesn't have an identity issue with that. Um, but still, even that, even that experience, that. I feel I've done something <laughs> wrong here because she does not exactly. fit. She isn't where she should be. Yes. So what were those three words again? The measurements today are? Well, that's it. So the measurements today plot on the 91st centile. The measurements today are stable in relation to six months ago. Yeah. So... Yeah. And, and, you know, you're, you're like this as you're talking about your dog and, and you know, yeah. it's a here thing, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's a felt thing. It really can affect how, you know, is this a stab at my parenting? Did I do something wrong? Yeah. In which case, I'm more likely to defend the position <sighs> than I am to listen to any advice. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So wow. it, it is simple, you know, and, and we, we introduce this often kind of a sigh of relief. Well, there is a way I can say, I can still communicate facts and I can do it in a way that doesn't, you know, doesn't do this. Yeah. Because <laughs> what this is reminding me of is that kind of, this kind of wider application of this and how much more acceptable feedback is when yes. it's around facts than opinion. Wow. How much more easy it is for someone to to hear it. Um, so whether you're talking about your child's weight, your dog's weight, or your own weight, for that matter. Yeah. But you know, to talk about what is happening in factual terms yeah. is so much easier for people to hear than to get someone's opinion, even well-meaning. And I think you mentioned earlier there about you know the intention that sits behind that and so so much of feedback that we give or we receive is well-intentioned but it doesn't necessarily hit the mark because instead it hits that bit that makes us want to defend the position uh, and so the people we're working with have no idea that there is NLP involved in this it's only, and as I said, other disciplines might enable this as well, but to get to the specificity of 
a shift from something so loaded and this to something that is factual and, you know, <laughs> separate from the child, separate yeah. from the parent. And it, we even find myself doing this in a, in a session, one of the earlier sessions we were doing when we were training in the use of some of, there's all sorts involved, but this yeah. was part of the training, this language part. And, um, and I found myself bringing anchors into it somehow. Again, I had no idea that this was happening, but it just happened. And so I can see thinking going on in the room and, you know, cogs are turning, etc. And some unconscious part of me is saying, well, how are we going to, how are they going to, in the situation, remember what to say? And so we went through this, um, unbidden it, what it was at the time, this process of, okay, so get yourself into the situation now. You've got the measurement and you're there and you're about to tell the parent. Now, everybody, do this. <laughs> the the <laughs> exercise the measurement <laughs> so we were creating a little anchor just in the moment to try, yeah. and, to try and get it there in yeah. real time <laughs> i remember where this starts now it's the, the, the other <laughs> yeah um yeah just as you're speaking it reminds me of of that uh quote that um words are the path on which we walk ah. and I would kind of tweak that for you as words are the path on which you work <laughs> because you know as you're you're working with people and the the other thing that occurred to me is and people have watched or listened to some of the earlier podcasts may have heard me mention this someone said to me on one occasion well of course NLP is very specialist isn't it mm. and, and I kind of inside I kind of recoiled in horror because specialist to me suggests something that you know that that doesn't have any relationship to everyday life and what you and indeed other people that I've been uh, talking to through this season have just indicated and underlined once again is that you know the application to everyday life and also the fact that it's not necessarily identified as NLP uh -uh. but that doesn't make a difference in fact well maybe it does make a difference because sometimes maybe those three letters can be alienating whereas what you've talked about whether anybody has heard of NLP before or not makes total sense yeah. that you speak to people with respect and that you give feedback in a way that it is most likely to be absorbed and thought about rather than putting someone in a situation where they have to defend their corner as a parent or anything else. I just love that, so elegant. So thank you, Jill. I know that uh, there may be some people watching or listening to this who might be curious to find out more about what you do. So how can they get in contact with you? Well, um, with your blessing, probably better through yourself. Yeah. Because this is, is, you know, it's NHS work that I'm doing. It's not something we broadcast. Yeah. Through social media is fine. So if there are any people out there who are interested in, in the work that we're doing, I'll happily talk through some of that. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know give a view of the kind of things that we're doing. But um, probably best if that's okay through, yeah. through yourself. I'm I'm happy for you to pass on my number and 
Great. Thank you. Thank you, oh, Jen. Florence, it's been a pleasure. I do. And, <laughs> um, thank you to all of you who've been watching or listening. And I am delighted that Jill has been the one to close out this season of podcasts of impact around the world. And uh, there'll be another season coming up shortly. So thank you for those who've been watching or listening. And I hope you'll join me next season as well. Um, there'll be information about how you contact me and the paragraph that accompanies um, this podcast. And of course, you can access the earlier podcasts as well, as well as my other um, series of podcasts called Everyday NLP Bites. So thank you once again to Jill. Thank you once again to those of you watching, listening and bye for now.